Hey, welcome back. Now, folks, if you could stomach a couple of these PK sessions so far, I can see you might say, Come on, PK. All you're doing is complaining about your past. Everybody has a cross to bear. Now, come on. Get over it. Well, hold on. Hold on, folks. I'm not crying. Our lives unfold in stages. I want to delineate, take you step by step from the stormy initial stage to an advanced stage where I learned something far more than the church could teach. I learned about love from my experiences as a public school teacher. Now how about that for a life accomplishment? Once I did something smart, and I am getting smarter, folks. I think I really am. The stage I'm focusing on now is not so pleasant. However, they're pleasant but problematic and comical stages to follow. My purpose now is to supply enough of a setting, a context, in order to better show how I grew into a better understanding of things as they are. Teacher and arrive finally with some sense of peace within myself and with the world as it is. A sense of balance, if you will. But for now, I focus on my experiences of what may well have been psychological abuse by those with fundamentalist inclinations. Or to put it simply, those too pig-headed to think outside the box. Thinking that way. What it took to lift me out of this fundamentalist swamp remains to be shown in future broadcasts. Trust me. Okay, better get to it. Here we go. In the summer of my senior year in high school, my parents secured teaching positions at a small Wesleyan college tucked away in the Allegheny Hills of western New York. Distressed about being uprooted once again, after having actively established myself as an honor roll student at Machias, I pleaded with my parents to allow me to finish my final high school year in Maine. In truth, I had just fallen in love with the sweetheart who was entering her sophomore year, and the thought of being torn away from my new soulmate terrified me. My parents conceded to the main part, if I could, would only agree to graduate from a Christian boarding school in Glen Cove, a two-hour bus ride down the coast from Machias. By the time I entered Glen Cove Christian Academy, a stage in my spiritual development was about to come to a dreadful conclusion. Now, Mr. Duff, the, high, the school principal and founder of the academy, had the air of a military man, and indeed he was proud of his military service in the Korean War. His public speaking demeanor reflected someone who believed in themselves strongly and knew it all with a hint of arrogance in his intonations. His mouth seemed indelibly pursed in an arrogant sneer. However, from my perspective as a professional educator, it is blatantly obvious that he knew next to nothing about the educational process.
though serving under his leadership, might well have called him an asshat behind his back. I got in trouble academically in Glen Cove for failing to meet the requirement of memorizing 10 Bible verses per week. Memorizing anything was difficult for me. It didn't come easy, whether it was historical facts or my own phone number and zip code. It didn't come easy like it did for other students in my class. It seemed such a waste of time when I could be doing other homework instead. Now, I've memorized only a couple verses in my life, and here they are from my memory. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son as a sacrifice for all, I think. I may be wrong there. Let's try Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That was easy. And then I forget the location of this one. The easiest to memorize because it is the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. The biggest memory project for me in school was memorizing the chemical table of elements. I worked hard at it because as an aspiring geologist, I would need to know the elements and their symbols. Aside from the failure to meet my weekly quota of 10 verses. I had other issues developing with my behavior outside the classroom. Apparently, hair length for boys was under jurisdiction of the academy. I wanted to grow my hair long, like the hippies and rock musicians in the late 60s. When the dorm proctor came to my room with hair clippers and a sheet in the evening after the required devotional time, I was gone. Every evening around 8 p.m., roommates were required to read the Bible, then take turns praying. The dorm went quiet for 15-20 minutes before the last-minute dash to the bathrooms to brush the teeth and back again for lights out. On the night of my haircut, I climbed up into the attic of the dorm through a small ceiling square. While the boys were in their rooms, engaged in reading and prayer, I was crawling carefully around the rafters above them. I would hover over a room where I could hear murmuring going on and say in a godly voice, Henry and David, this is the Lord speaking. It took them all by surprise. I hid every room on the second floor. Over each room I would hear a stunned silence at first, then snickers of laughter. Finally, after the devotional time was up, I perched over my room to wait for the proctor to come looking for me, since I did not report to his quarters downstairs. He asked my roommate Giles where I was. Giles had no idea. Once I heard the proctor leave and go back down the stairs, I lowered myself out of the attic snuck downstairs, exited the dorm through a first-floor window, and then loped off into the night. I spent a couple hours on the rocky ocean shore, serene and at peace with myself under the star-filled sky as the invisible waves washed in and out below where I sat, and I played my harmonica. I knew the proctor would be searching the grounds for me, but rested assured he wouldn't find me there. I crept back into the dorm after midnight. 
It was because of this going AWOL that I was called into Mr. Duffy's office for the battle of prayers the following day. The principal and owner of the Christian Academy, Mr. Duffy, admonished me to sacrifice my human nature. He cited scriptures that led me to imagine I must crucify myself on the cross, not in a literal sense, but psychological sense, which I understood to be the nailing of my ego to the cross, kind of nailed to it like a snake or earthworm. I certainly understood. He knew the answers, and I did not have any. We had prayer at the end of the session, and I proved one thing. I could pray every bit as good as he could pray. I could pray better than any of the kids my age. I learned how to intonate and vary the intensity of my voice, and given the tone of his prayer in response to mine, I don't think he liked how I prayed. I prayed for God's blessing on his unhappy school. What I was supposed to pray for was forgiveness and salvation from God. That I refused to do, although I didn't stop from getting on my knees, as he also did at his desk. I prayed for him. Heavenly Father, I ask that you help Mr. Duffy solve the problems of student dissatisfaction with this school. He has worked really hard to create this academy for young Christians like myself. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will help him restore this school to what you intended it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I just couldn't see being saved all over again when I had already been saved years ago in Lincoln. His prayer and response amounted to asking for God's forgiveness for me, the unrepentant one. A funny thing happened after we got up off our knees. It was now the daily chapel hour and the student body and staff were congregated in the campus chapel. I was first to go directly to chapel for the remainder of the hour before lunch. But Mr. Duff wanted to show me something first. He picked up a plastic bag and showed me the hair clippers and white sheet inside. Then he confessed that he had intended to cut my hair in chapel for all to see. Oh, I thanked him for his mercy, but really didn't care. The thought kind of amused me with its associations to the days of the Puritans and their proclivity for public humiliation as a cure for the ills that afflicted their church body. But all was not failure at the academy. I tried out for the school's boys' quartet. Given my aptitude for singing harmony parts, I was a shoe-in. Once, we were invited to sing at a Sunday evening church service. I thought our singing was going pretty good until the pastor asked each of us to step up to the podium and give our personal testimonies. I panicked. Never did I think I'd have to do this, especially now. 
I felt so alienated from the Christian evangelical mindset, so dishonest, so hypocritical, and I did not feel like being any of those things. The other guys who were with the quartet in previous years seemed to have no difficulty in delivering their testimony. I felt pressured into lying, so I mumbled something about being glad I was born again, and that was it. Truly, this is one of the most awkward moments I had ever faced. I wanted out. If this is what we were expected to do at our performances, I felt like such a sham. Well, I didn't have to worry about prostituting myself with the quartet. Soon after that, I was expelled from the Glen Cove Christian Academy during the last week of October. Since two other boys and myself discovered after lunch one day that we were being kicked out, since the dim-witted husband of the girls' dorm proctor admitted it because he thought we already knew, we made hasty plans for our escape before anyone could find us. And we were successful. The tide was out and we slipped unseen along the shore into the nearby town of Rockland. There we scrambled up a steep bank and stuck out our thumbs for a ride out of there. A large Chevy van pulled over and took us all in. The occupants invited us to join their crew selling magazines. Room and board provided free of charge. We rode out of Rockland and the next morning we were on the throughway sailing down the to Binghamton, New York. Our parents had not a clue, neither did the arrogant Mr. Duff, who once told me that the state police were his friends and he'd have picked me up if I ever did try to run away. Well, he was dead wrong. By the way, if he had not been so sneaky himself and told me my parents were coming up to get me, I probably would have stayed behind and waited for them. As it was, they were distraught after a 12-hour drive to get there and find that I was unaccounted for. I blame Mr. Duff for that. And to add insult to injury, he refused to refund any of the year's tuition that my parents had paid up front when I enrolled. He certainly didn't help my picture of Christianity any. It just astonished me the someone who appeared so smug and clean in their Christian attire could be so <laughs> vile. Oh, boy. If not, Bill. Well, the expulsion, quote-unquote, is often referred to as the act of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the perfect Garden of Eden. God kicked them out. Kind of like I was kicked out of Glen Cove. And I'm preparing an episode that is an audio rendering of how it all went down, according to the fantastical account of John Milton. He was a language genius, something like Shakespeare. Anyway, I'm hoping you'll enjoy it when it comes out. Ah, that Academy of Glencoe was nothing more than a cookie factory. Turn turning out Twinkies as fast as they could cut them. Ah, kind of sad. Kind of sad. 
It was a fantastic location on where the main coast turned sublimely rocky. As soon as I was spit out of that church posing as a private academy, I experienced a painful rebirth, even though at the time I didn't know it as a rebirth. It was painful in that it was hateful. Hating was a release for me. I wasn't driving my knife into the trees all the time like Jack, the choir boy, did in Lord of the Flies. He was driven by anger. I was driven by anger, although I admit I identified more with Piggy, who exhibited more empathy than Ralph, Jack's enemy. Ralph was kind of stupidly good by nature. Piggy was a sympathetic guy, and he was very smart. He knew things. But Jack, the angry guy with a knife in hand, killed him. Not with a knife, surprisingly, but with a shove. Things went downhill from there. But, hey, I blame that on the book's author. <laughs> okay, gotta go. May you find your way. Thanks for listening, folks. Next time, around. Let it shine. Let it shine.